Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and it is hot in the summertime in Columbus, Georgia. Don't have to tell you that. I know y'all are out traveling, but no matter who you are, where you are, what you've done, whatever you have going on, God is welcoming you home. So we invite you to come and join us as we celebrate our awesome God of love and of grace and joy. Come on in. Our first reading is from Isaiah 58, 9b through 14. Please listen to the word of the Lord. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up from the foundations of many generations. You should be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets to live in. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken." This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke. We are in chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Vicki opened that up to you. This is the woman who had been afflicted, who is bent over. Listen with fresh ears. Luke 13, 10 through 17. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. It's Jesus they're talking about. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. And when he laid his hands on her immediately, she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, do not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water. And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? 
When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we enter this passage, I came across some lyrics from a song from a Christian artist, Wayne Watson, based on a poem written by Myra Brooks Welch. Listen to her words. It tells a story. "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but held it up with a smile. "'What am I bidding, good folks?' he cried. "'Who will start bidding for me?' A dollar, a dollar then. Two? Only two dollars? Who'll make three? Three dollars. Twice? Going for three? But no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping dust from the old violin and tightening the loose strings, he played a melody pure and sweet, as sweet as a caroling angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I bidden for the old violin? And held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars, who will make it two? Two thousand, who will make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, and going, going, gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried, We do not quite understand. What changed its worth? Swift came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. Today, indeed, this is a story that is important to us. It is a story that we know fairly well, one of Jesus' healing miracles in Luke's gospel. But as we begin... It's important to know that Sabbath is at issue here, among other things. So I want to talk about Sabbath first. Both the Isaiah passage and the Luke passage have to do with Sabbath. But the gospel, the Luke reading, doesn't necessarily push us towards an understanding of Sabbath, just repercussions of the Sabbath law. And so let me just say first, that Sabbath is important. We know from Genesis 2, 2, 2, God created the world in six days and on the seventh, rested. Does God get tired? Is God not all powerful? Why does God need rest? God showed us because we get tired. To work hard those six days and on the seventh, rest. But it's not just rest. Sabbath is also about spending intentional time with God so you can be renewed. It's not necessarily taking a nap when you are tired, although it could be. Sabbath time is about finding time to intentionally put in your life in which you can be renewed through your relationship with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. 
Maybe that's intentional time with others in which you have a faithful conversation. Maybe your Sabbath is going to serve someone in Christ's name. Maybe your Sabbath is a devotion or listening to a song or reading a book that somehow connects you with God. And in our culture and society, some of you will remember the blue laws, the Sunday restrictions that kept you from going out to do other things after church. Why? Because it was the Sabbath. And we didn't want others to have to work on, wait on us if we go to businesses, restaurants, and we weren't called to work. Well, that has changed in the sense that our culture and society have moved past that. I hope that you can get some Sabbath on a Sunday, but we're called to have a Sabbath sense. For you Spider-Man fans, you know the Spidey sense. That's when he knows there's it's kind of his, when his, uh, um, his, his fears are heightened and he knows something's getting ready to happen. He's about to be attacked. Something negative is about to happen. We need to develop a Sabbath sense in our life. Because it's not as easy. We're working against the culture to make Sunday one day of rest. So if we can't do that, then what do we do? You find moments of Sabbath throughout your week. Maybe it's 15 minutes to take just some Sabbath time to breathe. Maybe it's 15 or 20 minutes to take time in a devotion. Maybe it's a Bible study. Maybe all of those things that I mentioned before. Maybe it's getting out in the kayak or the canoe or going for a hike or just walking around the block in the middle of the day to have a moment with God, a moment of peace, to just breathe for a moment and renew and refresh, if only for that small moment. And then hopefully there are moments when we can take larger chunks of time where we can find ways to more fully be refreshed and renewed. That's what the Sabbath is all about. If you, I'll try to tell this one quickly. I think I've told it before. It's a good story about two lumberjacks, one rookie, arrogant, thinks he knows better than anybody else how to cut down as many trees as possible. And then you have the wily older veteran who had been at it a long time, not in his prime anymore, but still doing the job. So the contest came between the new rookie and the aged veteran who will cut down more trees. So the contest comes, they are in the woods, they are doing their thing. Young guy's going at it, going at it, and he hears the older guy taking breaks once an hour. And he says, oh, I got him. I got him. He's taking a break. I'm working straight through. More trees for me. I'm definitely ahead. So after it's over, they go to claim uh, to see who the winner was to the metal stand. And to his astonishment, the older lumberjack had cut down more trees. And the younger guy said to the veteran lumberjack, why? How did, how did you do that? I heard you stopping. And when I worked straight through, I had to cut down more trees. And he said, no, every time I stopped, I was sharpening my ax. And so that's what Sabbath does for us. It gives us a moment to stop to renew and refresh ourselves, to sharpen our axes, as it were, so that when we return 
to life's schedule, calendar, work, whatever the day calls of us, we can come back a little more rested, a little more sharp to do the work that we were called to do. Sabbath is key. Sabbath is a commandment. It's important, and we need to value that. So now into our story. Jesus is at the synagogue, not at the temple in Jerusalem, the smaller representation in outlying areas, a little bit more like churches might feel that way. Jesus is up there preaching, and he sees this woman bent over. She doesn't ask anything of him. He doesn't know her. She doesn't say, Jesus, heal me. He stops everything in the middle, and he says, come on down. Now, think for a minute. If I were to call your name right now and ask you to come front and center and stand here by me, it would make you a little anxious, wouldn't it? If we hadn't communicated beforehand, if I didn't say, hey, I'm going to call you up and ask you a question in front of everybody, they, had no, they hadn't met before. No prior conversation. Jesus says, come forward. And now she's embarrassed. She's got to come up in front of everybody. She doesn't know what he wants. And Jesus brings her up, and he heals her in a two-step process. One, he proclaims by spoken word and says, woman, you are set free from your ailment. Boom, that's one. But he follows it up with the physical act of touch. Woman, you were set free from your ailment, spoken. And then when he had laid his hands on her immediately, she stood up straight. And what did she do? Began praising God. She didn't stand up and run and tell her family members. She didn't stand up and run and look at the stars and, and the sky and the sun Vicki did a great job. She saved y'all five minutes in explaining what life would have been like for this woman who could only look down or maybe sideways while she was standing, couldn't look people in the eye, couldn't see above and around, couldn't interact with people in the same way. And all of a sudden, like a blind person who's been blind, who now can see literally, she can see life in a whole new way. She stands straight up. And she praises God. That is exciting. So before we move on before that, why, why does he touch her after he had already vocally healed her? Jesus in several places heals with words only. The man with the withered hand, if you remember, in Luke 6, 6, and sent out the spirits from the unclean man in 431. He just spoke, and those things happened. They were healed. So why did Jesus take the extra step to then touch her? Who had touched that woman in the last 18 years? Nobody. Why? Because she was unclean. She was marginalized, ostracized from her community, and had no touch. And Jesus not only heals her, but in touching her, socially heals her. 
and makes her clean again to the point that she could be in that day. And that is a huge piece of what Christ does for her. Walter Wink, who is an author and wrote a trilogy that begins with the book Engaging the Powers. And his main thesis basically is that churches do a good job at helping people, but in a kind of a quick and a shallow way. And in the sense of we help give food to people who are hungry, but we don't really engage the system, the systematic issue of hunger. We may try to give people housing, but don't engage the systemic oppressive structure of homelessness. And Wink pushes us into saying we need to be engaging these powers because that's how things change in the larger picture. And he talks about this passage and says, it is a revolution in seven verses. He says, number one, Jesus speaks to the woman, and this is gonna grate against our modern sensibilities, and I apologize. In civilized society, Jewish men did not speak to women. Remember the story in John 4, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. She was shocked because Jesus, a Jew, would speak to her, a Samaritan. But when the disciples came, that wasn't the issue. She said they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. So number one, Jesus speaks to a woman directly. Two, he calls her to the center of the synagogue. By placing her in the geographic middle, he lifts her importance, challenges the notion of that male monopoly on access and knowledge to God. He touches her, which is in direct violation of the holiness code. That code which protected and prevented men from woman's uncleanness and from her sinful seductiveness. Again, I apologize. He calls her a daughter of Abraham, a term not found in any prior Jewish literature. It's, a rev it's revolutionary because it was believed that women were saved through their men. A call to call her a daughter of Abraham is to make her a full-fledged member of the nation of Israel with equal standing before God. Just think about how this is being received by the people of that day. It is revolutionary. It is radical. Five, he heals on the Sabbath. And we just covered how important the Sabbath was. The fourth commandment, Moses, God gave those commandments to Moses, brought it down from the mountain and said, you have to do these things. And Jesus says, I'm not doing that thing. And lastly, he challenges the ancient belief that her illness was a direct punishment from God for her sins. He asserts that she is ill not because God willed it, but because there is evil in the world and bad stuff can happen. So he spoke with a woman. He brought her to the center of the synagogue. He touches her. He calls her daughter of Abraham. He heals on the Sabbath. 
and challenges the whole system of understanding that we get sick because of our sins, and it is God's retribution. That is revolutionary. So this passage is important in many ways. What are we to take from this? First, keep the Sabbath. This is what we talked about. Second, we, like the woman, need to allow God to heal us. Well, wait a minute, preacher. God wants to heal me. Come on, God. But we fight that often. And in this case, she didn't come to God and ask for healing. But we can. Every Sunday we come together, we have our confession of sin. And this is exactly symbolically what we look like. We come in bent over with the world weighing on our shoulders. Some of that is sin related. Some of that is caring and worrying for other people or dealing with difficult situations. Maybe something at work, maybe something at home, maybe relationships, friends down the street, down the block, citywide, nationally, globally. The world is weighing on us so much that we are spiritually oppressed and bent over. And when we come to worship, we ask God through Christ to take those burdens off of us. We lay them at the foot of the cross so God can cause us to stand up, for which then our response is to praise God. So we have to ask for help and allow God to help us. It doesn't necessarily happen this quick and this easily, God's time can be challenging, especially if there are difficult situations. But we know that God's desire is for us to stand, that we may praise God. So keep the Sabbath in the ways that you can figure out how best to do it. Worship is a part of this, but much more throughout the week. Number two, allow God to heal you. And number three, realize... That compassion, Jesus is saying that compassion trumps regulations, laws, and even commandments. That is huge. And Jesus isn't saying we're going to toss out all rules, regulations, commandments, laws. He's not saying that. But he's saying, as he said to this synagogue leader who was upset with him because he healed on the Sabbath and all those hypocrites, they take care of their animals. They feed them on the Sabbath, don't they? That's technically against the law. But this woman has to wait another day for the Sabbath to pass before Jesus can heal her. Jesus gets irate with this man, similar to the Pharisees. Why did he get mad at the Pharisees often? It was because they could only see the laws, rules, and regulations those were put there by God to help foster the relationship between God and people. But they took those laws, they exploited them, they used it as a way to solidify their own power and stop seeing God as a part of that legalistic system. Again, Jesus is not saying do away with that. He's saying what's more important than those laws are people, compassion. Teacher, what commandment is in the law is the greatest, the lawyer said to him. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang what? All the law and the prophets. To love your neighbor as yourself. 
We know that. We love this passage, except it is radical and revolutionary when you think of what that means. Jesus is saying in both of these passages that people, compassion, love, concern, tolerance, healing, justice, building of the kingdom is all more important than any legalistic pieces we might get caught up in. So as we move on today, know that first you are healed and made to stand so that you can praise God. And then we are to take that into the world and prove just as Jesus did with our compassion, with our love, with these commands as Christ calls us to go help those who are oppressed in the world, who are bent over from a variety of things, We can help that. We may not be able to put our hands on and heal, although some can. But what we can do is heal their spirit by showing them our love in different ways that we can help them. We are one people given everything that we need to help other people to stand and praise God. So let us go and with all courage faith, and joy go into the world and do so. Alleluia. Amen. Amen.